So in a recent poll of American adults, it was found that 55% of adults in America pray daily. That's a pretty great statistic, a pretty great number of people. But even more than that, they found out that 77% of American adults say a prayer at least once a month. You see, prayer is a common thing that pretty much anyone knows is a vital part of the Christian faith. But even though prayer is this important thing, I think very few people feel like they have prayer figured out. Very few people would give themselves an A plus or a five star rating when it comes to prayer. You know, no matter where we're at in our faith life, whether we've been a believer our entire life or we're kind of new to it all, I think pretty much all of us would say prayer in many ways is a challenge for us. Now, this can be for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's because we're too busy. Sometimes it's because we're too distracted. Sometimes it's because life is so good, we just feel like we're in control and we don't need any help. And when we do pray, oftentimes our prayers tend to be generic and predictable. Sometimes we can't help but think of God as a cosmic genie who's up in the clouds to just give us what we want. You know, God, you know, give me the best parking spot right now. Or God, just help me through this situation right now. And a lot of times our prayers tend to be safe prayers. You know, bless me, be with me, protect me. You know, they're all good prayers, but it's not really risky at all. It's, It's as safe as it gets. It's not rocking the boat. You know, I think God has something more for us. I think he wants us to grow in our prayer life, which in turn will help us grow in our relationship with him. And so today, I'm excited, we're starting a new sermon series called Dangerous Prayers, and it's based on a book by Pastor Craig Groeschel. And what this series is going to challenge us and teach us to do is to pray three biblical prayers. And these prayers are anything but safe, they're anything but predictable, and so we're calling these prayers Dangerous Prayers, but dangerous in a good way. These are prayers that ask God to do something big in our life, to take us out of our comfort zone so that we can become the people that he intends for us to be. You see, praying dangerous prayers invites God to come in and do hard work in us, and it leads us to that deeper relationship that he wants to have with us. Now, this takes some risk to experience the life that God wants for us. Because in order to grow, and we all know this, in order to grow, you have to change. You can't move forward in faith and stay the same. I mean, it's spiritually impossible to follow Jesus, to have a growing relationship with him, like we talk about in our mission statement, and just stay exactly the same. So King David, in the Old Testament, prays what I think is the most dangerous prayer in the entire Bible. And it's in Psalm 139. And so if you have your Bibles with you or your Bible app on your phone, I'd encourage you to turn with me to Psalm 139. Now at this point in his life, David is facing opposition and persecution and even heckling from his enemies. They're making fun of his faith. They're questioning him. They're questioning his motives. 
They're questioning his relationship with God. And so David boldly prays a dangerous prayer. And he invites God to prove his enemies wrong. So we're going to start with the very last two verses of Psalm 139. It's verses 23 and 24. And this is what David prays. Here's the dangerous prayer. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now first, the first thing we see in this dangerous prayer is that David begins with three words, which if you look at them, while they might seem basic, they are asking something big from God. David begins by saying, search my heart. And what he's doing is he's asking God to turn on a spotlight, a searchlight, into his heart and into his life. Now, light can be both comforting and painful. You know, you can use a flashlight or some sort of light to find something that you've lost. Sometimes light can find beauty in the darkness, but light can also be painful. It can expose hard truths. You know, years ago with my family, we were in San Francisco, and we went to tour Alcatraz, the famous, infamous prison, And as we were touring the prison, they took us into the solitary confinement area that was once used. And it was these tiny little cells. And some prisoners, if they broke a rule or had done something bad, would be put in solitary confinement for weeks, months, even years into this tiny little cell. And the thing about it was there were no windows. There was no light at all. There was one little slot in the door where a guard could come and peek in and see if they were doing okay and could also pass them some food and water. And so what the tour guide said is after someone was in there 24 hours a day for a few days in a row, suddenly they would dread when that little slot in the door would open up because this intense light would come in and it would be painful And so they would find prisoners up against the opposite wall, shielding their eyes from the light that was going to come every day. You see, in much the same way, God's light searches us. He shines his light into our soul. Now, while light can be comforting, you know, it, it reminds us of his promises, it can also be awfully painful because that searchlight, that spotlight exposes our sins. David is saying, search me, God. Turn on your spotlight. Now, this isn't something I think we typically think to pray. Now, maybe it's because we're too busy, you know, to go through this process, but probably more likely we're just nervous about what God might point out in us. Isn't it a lot easier to just focus on everybody else's shortcomings and sins, to just point out how everybody else is falling short? But you see, David steps up boldly and he says, search me, God, and know my heart. Now, the reason I think that David is able to pray boldly this dangerous prayer 
is because of what he already knows about God. As he prays through this psalm, he remembers again and again God's true character and his heart. Let's look at verse 13. He says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You saw me before the day I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. You see, David is reminding us that God is the one who knit us together in the first place. And it means you are fully known by God, more than you can imagine or hope for. You are known by him, but you are also loved by him and treasured by him. Maybe you just need to be reminded of that today. Just an amazing thought that the God of the universe knows you and yet still loves you and treasures you. Maybe today you just feel hopeless and beat down and ashamed. And he wants to remind you of his unconditional love. Now, have you ever played hide-and-seek with a two- or three-year-old before? It can be one of the most hilarious things. When a little kid goes into the corner and they cover their eyes, and they think because they can't see you, you can't see them. When, of course, you can, right? But you see, church, I think oftentimes we live life that way. We think, you know, God can't see what we're doing if we just don't acknowledge it. We think there are things that we can hide from him, which of course isn't true. Look at what David says at the very beginning of Psalm 139. He says, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know where I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to do, before, what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. And before you think, well, with everything I've done, I'm way beyond hope then. Remember David himself had quite a bit of baggage, didn't he? He was a murderer and he was an adulterer. And yet he still knew and claimed the promise that he is known and loved and treasured by God. Now it's only natural, I think, that we would be nervous about being searched by a God who knows us. It seems like it would just lead to more guilt and shame. But really what it does is it creates the space for us to be found and to be healed. It actually opens up our eyes to our deepest needs. And it shows us that God has the depth of a love that we can't even imagine or understand. You see, asking God to search us also means opening up our eyes to the things that don't bring him honor. David says specifically in verse 24, Point out anything in me that offends you. I mean, this is the painful part of the light, right? It's asking God to come in and show the real condition of our heart, to not hold anything back. But you might be thinking, well, 
you know, I think I've got a pretty good heart. You know, I definitely make mistakes now and again. I mean, we all do, right? But I've got a good heart. I mean well. I mean, most people's heart is in the right place, right? Well, that's not what the prophet Jeremiah says in the Old Testament. He says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Whoa, it's pretty stark language, right? That our heart is not good. Without Christ, it's actually hopeless. And the thing is, as Jeremiah points out, we actually live in deep deceit, in deep denial. We can't even understand how bad it really is. On our own, our heart is not a good heart. And we deceive ourselves and we deceive others. Now, our hearts will try to tell us that we're doing okay, that we don't need any help. But we're not okay. And deep down, we know it. And others know it. But we just can't help to somehow try to keep deceiving ourselves, to lie about it. You know, we say things like, well, I don't have a problem with drinking. I'm just going to have a few drinks. I could always stop. Or I don't have a problem with lust. I'm just going to look at the great physique that I see over here. I don't have a problem with gossip. I just need to inform everyone else about what's going on. I don't have a problem with being judgmental or critical of others. I just really need to voice my complaints and have other people hear it. See, praying, search me, God, is a dangerous prayer because God is going to show you and he's going to show me where we're deceiving ourselves, where we're missing the mark, those things that are holding us back from true intimacy with him. Now, again, this can be a scary and painful proposition And so most of us are hesitant, we're resistant. It's kind of like going to the doctor, and you're afraid about finding out the truth. So you decide, you know, I'm just going to stay back and slap a Band-Aid on it. I really don't want to know what's wrong with me. You know, I think oftentimes we'd rather just put a Band-Aid on our sin, when actually what we need is professional treatment, and we need surgery. You know, asking God to search us is like putting our whole lives in the hands of a master surgeon. Now, it's not going to be comfortable, but it's so worth it in the long run. You see, God shines his spotlight so that we can confess our sins and our shortcomings, and then we can turn from them, which is the definition of repentance, and then we can start to be formed into the people that God wants us to be. See, he didn't create us to live a life where we are wounded and we are damaged and we're weighed down and we're living in the dark. No, he created us to live lives that are whole and pleasing to him. Lives lived in his light. Well, the second thing is that David also prays, reveal my fears. Now, some translations say my anxious thoughts. And so, What makes you anxious? What are you afraid of? Now, I'm not talking about things like mice or spiders or a random guy who hides in your basement. When I was a kid, I remember I always had a a bedroom in the basement of our house. 
And I'd hear noises from our mechanical room, and I always figured someone was in there. So I'd grab my little souvenir twins bat, and I would go in there, and I would announce, come out, whoever you are. Well, he hasn't been there yet. But if he might be watching this live stream, just know I will be ready for you. You see, what David is talking about is the things that truly make us anxious on the inside. Is it losing your job? Is it the fear of failure? Is it a fear of death? Is it a fear of rejection? Missing out? A fear of intimacy? Letting yourself be truly known by others? Maybe it's just a fear of loss in general or losing someone dear and close to you. Well, here's the truth that we need to come to terms with. What we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. I'll say that one more time. What we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. And that's why it's so important to pray this prayer, to ask God to show us our fears, our anxious thoughts. You know, what are those areas of our life that are holding us back from fully trusting in him? You know, if you think about it, if we're afraid that we won't have enough from day to day, well, we're not trusting God to be our provider. If we're afraid that we are somehow beyond hope, we're not trusting God to be our savior. If we're afraid of death, we're not fully trusting God's promise in Jesus Christ that there is eternal life with him for all who believe. You know, if we're afraid of something happening to our kids, we're not fully trusting that God has their lives and their well-being and the palm of his hands. You know, during my 16 years of ministry, God has really helped me deal with some of my deepest fears. I had to come to terms with my fear of inadequacy and my fear of failure. You see, I tend to have this thing where I find my identity and how well I perform or how well I lead. And so being in front of crowds of people, I oftentimes really gauge my self-worth on the reaction I get from the people who are there. I often have a fear of failure and not measuring up. And so I had to face these fears with the help of friends and lots of prayer. And really what I learned is I wasn't fully trusting in God like I should. I was just trying to do things by myself. I was trying to keep control. And I needed to learn to love pleasing God more than my fear of inadequacy and failure. I think we need to learn to value obedience and faith more than any fears that we might have. You know, what it's helped me along the way is to remember some core promises of Scripture. You know, where the Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. Now, whose perfect love is that talking about? It's not ours, right? It's God's perfect love. It casts out our fear. And also that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. That's the gift that he gives us. Now imagine what would happen if you would open up your heart and pray this prayer today. To say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know 
my anxious thoughts or my fears. Because what he's going to do is show you where you are trusting him the least, where you're holding back. Now, he might even expose something that you have been hiding away for many years. When you're just thinking, but I'm doing fine. I'm not that bad. He'll show you where you need to trust, the promises that you need to cling to. But you see, what it will do is allow you to take new steps of faith and move beyond your fears and your anxieties. Well, third and finally, David prays, lead me. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. And really what David is doing now, after going through this hard work, this hard prayer, he's asking God what his next step should be. He said, search me, show me what's broken in me, reveal all my fears and my anxieties, but don't stop there. Now show me what I should do next. You see, when we're willing to slow down and let God work on us, well, then we're able to recognize how God is leading us forward where he wants us to serve and to represent him. Now, have you ever been driving a car on the highway before and suddenly you find yourself way down the road and you wonder how you even got there? It's like you almost went on autopilot. We love going to the North Shore a couple times a summer. And you know, when I get on 35 towards Duluth, it's like the car just knows where it's going. You know, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, we're in Moose Lake already. How did this happen? But you see, I think many of us live our lives that way. We live on autopilot. You know, we go to sleep, wake up, we go to work, we come home, and we just repeat that cycle day after day. And when we live life on autopilot, we miss the ways that God wants to lead and guide us in the world. You know, we might fail to miss that, that coworker who's struggling or the opportunity that we have to pray for someone who's hurt. We miss out on a chance to care for a neighbor. We let a racial stereotype or joke pass by without stepping up and challenging it. We walk by that person who lives on the street and who desperately just needs to be acknowledged. We miss a chance to learn from someone who lives or believes differently than we do. You see, praying this prayer is turning off the autopilot and inviting God to lead God, lead me in your will and in your ways, the way of everlasting life, the way of a perfect relationship with you. And so church, I want to challenge you to do two things this week, kind of your homework, all right? The first thing I want to challenge you to do is to create space in your life to talk to and to hear from God. I think there's nothing more important that you can do this week than to hear from the God who created you and loves you. You know, relationships are always a two-way street, and God wants to speak into your life. But we need to create the space, the time to listen, to shut off the distractions, take the time to listen to him in prayer, Spend time in his word. Listen to what other Christians are speaking into your life because God speaks in all of those ways. And then do what he says. You see, whether you're an experienced prayer 
or maybe you've never really prayed before, try it out this week. Because it's not about having the right words. It's not about sounding holy enough. In the end, it's about your heart. God hears you, and he already knows you. There's nothing that's a surprise, and he promises to walk with you. My second challenge is to pray this dangerous prayer each day. Lord, search me and know my heart. It's an invitation to say, God, show me my sins, show me my fears, and show me the next steps. I challenge you to pray this every day. God, help me to see my heart the way that you see my heart. You see, God is ready and willing to answer this dangerous prayer. And he wants you to know how loved you are, but also how broken you are. And he wants to help each one of us replace our fears with faith. And then to walk with him, trusting that he has already defeated sin and death on the cross. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your invitation to come to you in prayer and to communicate with you freely. God, we thank you that you not only hear us, but you actually speak to us. And so I pray for every person who's tuning in today that they would carve out the time this week to spend quality time with you, that they would spend time to listen and to speak to you. God, we know that you are alive and active in our world and in our lives. And so we ask you to come and to help guide us and direct us and transform us. God, help us to be bold enough to have you shine your spotlight into our hearts and into our lives. God, show us all the things that don't honor you. Show us the fears and the anxieties that are holding us back from trusting you. And then God, show us where you would have us go to make a difference for your kingdom. And so God, we pray these things boldly in the powerful name of Jesus. And let's all say together, wherever you are, amen. Well, we are so glad that you have joined us for worship this morning. Please receive the benediction. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over you, and within you to give you his love and his everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.